0: of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call one purity Hi, my name is Jonathan and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up August 18th through the 20th in Florida, just outside the most magical place on earth, Orlando. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800 or visit gatewaymen.com You're listening to Pure Sex Radio training men educating women brought to you by Be Broken Ministries visit us on the web at puresexradio.com Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we've got our special guest, Carter Featherston, back with us again. And so, Carter, thanks for uh, deciding to join us again.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, so, Carter, in our last session with you, uh, we really enjoyed being able to hear your story and how uh, you you grew up in this Christian home, how you... Uh, Got locked into this this false identity of shame when you were a fifth grader, and then it that bled over into then being introduced to uh masturbation and other sexual activities all throughout you know uh teenage years into adulthood and even into uh even into your marriage and just how that secret um was being carried all throughout your life, but then how you found hope and redemption and healing through uh, real, true brokenness, and so we, we are grateful that you shared your story with us. And listeners, if you, um, if you did not hear that broadcast, you can simply go to our website at puresexradio.com and click on the archives section, and you'll be able to hear Carter's story. But Carter, what I would love for us to do in this episode is really unpack kind of these fundamental essentials, to living a life of sexual integrity, living a life, if I could put it this way, the way God's designed our sexuality to work. And I think there's three three areas that I'd really love for us to focus our time on. One is deconstructing that false identity with our true identity. The second is is really having a, a fuller grasp and understanding of of grace and how it actually operates and manifests in our lives. And then finally just the importance and the, the critical necessity of the Word of God in our lives. So how about if we start unpacking the identity issue? And I know that that's a huge, huge issue, but we're really trying to uh, look at just the, the shame identity that you talked about last time, which is so prevalent in people who get entangled in sexual strongholds. And how do we, how do we deconstruct that false identity and embrace the true identity that we have in christ
1: yes for me understanding identity was clarified a great deal day i understood there's a difference between your spirit and your soul now we we talk about spirit and soul but we often don't really understand and clarify the difference between them and so I draw diagrams all the time when I counsel and I show the difference between your spirit and your soul and help people understand. When you received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, his resurrection life, his righteousness and holiness was imputed into your spirit. You received him in your spirit, not in your soul. First uh, Corinthians six seventeen says... He who joins himself to the Lord becomes one spirit with him, one spirit. So our spirit is one with Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we talk about identity, we're really talking, when we say Christ is my identity, I've come to understand that what that means is my identity is whatever's in my spirit. And in my spirit is the life of Christ. And so I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in my spirit. Even if I'm looking at porn at the moment, I'm looking at porn. My spirit is still one with Jesus Christ. I'm simply betraying my true self when I'm looking at porn. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, to clarify for people, and here's what pastors always do. Pastors always teach something of what I just said. I've been around these pastors, and they say, oh yes, now don't don't forget, you are the righteousness of God. You are righteous. You're righteous right now. But he doesn't say, in your spirit. He just says, you are righteous. And I can imagine 95% of the congregation is sitting out there thinking, Pastor, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You should have seen me yesterday. Did not you see what I did yesterday? How I yelled at my children yesterday? I'm not that. And he leaves off three words, in the spirit. And I just think, oh, Pastor, please, please include that. I am holy and righteous in my spirit, and that's where I have a new identity. My shame is out in my soul. And so I help people understand, as God began to reveal to me, the shame is in my soul. I had a whole other identity out there in my soul. It was the identity of being inferior, inadequate, disappointment to God, despicable because I masturbate, and that shame-based identity is out there in the soul but it's the phony part of me it's the broken part it's the part of me that God came to set me free from with his life in my spirit and so, uh, so and would I, you say would
0: you say another distinction is that the soul is often where we talk about the uh, sort of the housing of the mind and the will and the emotions and those types of things. And the spirit is more of uh, the the life or death component spiritually in terms of whether or not we are um, in the old man or in the new man in terms of the spirit. But the soul is often the place at which all of our emotional selves sort of get worked out. Is that a fair sort of distinction between spirit and soul, in your, in your opinion?
1: Well, yes. Uh, yes, it does. Although, when people talk about the soul as having mind, will, and emotions, the spirit also has mind, will, and emotions. Uh, I think, I, I draw a diagram in which our mind is part spirit and part soul. And how do I know that? Because Romans 12:2 says, "I need to renew my mind." But 1 Corinthians 2:16 says, "I have the mind of Christ."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wait a minute. How could I have the mind of Christ and I need to renew my mind, because Christ doesn't need to renew his mind? Those two verses would be contradictory unless part of my mind is spirit and part of my mind is soul. And so in in the mind of Christ is where I house my new identity. In the mind of Christ, where I'm in full agreement with God's word, in the spirit, I know I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My spiritual emotions are things like peace and joy and patience. And in my will... In the Spirit, I always want to do good. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, read, when you read Romans 7, and Paul sure. has that great struggle, he never once says that he wants to do evil. Every time he talks about what he wants to do, he wants to do good. He wants to do the right thing. He just doesn't always do it. So that told me, ah, even the will. There's a will of Christ. There are emotions of Christ to go along with the mind of Christ. And so I help people see that distinction as God taught it to me then. So out in my soul, I've got a mind that needs renewing. I've got emotions full of anger and fear, depression, rage, jealousy, and envy. And then I've got a will in the soul, a will that always chooses to go to masturbation and pornography for comfort. Mm -hmm. And so... Well, and I think
0: this—I think this distinction is—is—is is, is really made clear in scriptural passages like Romans seven, Galatians mm-hmm. five, where we're taught. Ta- there's this inner conflict that we see that hey, you know, the desires of the flesh are contrary to the desires of the spirit, and you know, they're at war with each other, and that yeah. might help our listeners to be able to under- you know to be able to scripturally look and say, hey, here's where you can see vividly what this this difference looks like between your spirit and your soul, and kind of this this war, so to speak, that's going on, which is why you can have a pastor that's saying you're righteous you 're righteous, and everybody in the congregation is going what i don 't know what you 're talking about because <laughs> I know exactly what I did on Saturday night, you know so um, yeah, and now so then then, how do we then get more um How do we make more congruent then what we know in the spirit in Christ to then manifest through our soul in our in how we respond to life? How do we how do we get the spirit to take charge? (laughs) Because it's not like you can (laughs) say, hey, the soul, you know, we are both spirit and soul. All the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if, even right. if you've numbed out, even if your soul has become calloused and your conscience is seared and, and all of that, we're still a soul being and a spirit being. But obviously, we are told to, you know, uh, it also tells us in, in Galatians 5 that if we are led by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So clearly, right. we are intended to yes. live out of that spirit identity. So, so how do we do that? How do we, how do we uh, improve in that area of, of not only knowing intellectually what that identity means, but how it actually manifests practically in our daily lives?
1: Well, the way I journeyed out of the addiction was, of course, first first to anchor myself in the spirit and know, no matter how bad my addiction is, I am still God's beloved son. He loves me. He shared his life with me and was glad to do so. And in my spirit, I am not a sex addict. In my spirit, I am one with Jesus Christ. From there, I'm, I can then have the courage to go into my soul and see why my soul is so large. Why does my soul control me so much? And it's because I have so much pain and hurt, so much woundedness, so much emptiness and loneliness out there in my soul. And it's all there from every memory I have in my life growing up where I was emasculated, wounded, neglected, rejected, left out, left behind, criticized, mocked, made fun of. All the wounds and the holes and the rejections out there in our soul. Is where I spent all my grade school, junior high, and high school days living in the soul. Mm-hmm. I didn't live in the spirit with Christ. I lived in the soul. I cultivated my soul. You know, I like to call it my Kardashian soul. If you watch the Kardashians mm-hmm. on TV, they don't they don't talk about their spirit. They talk about their bodies and their souls. And I just I, so in my in my counseling today, I'll I will refer to it as the kardashian your kardashian soul has got you so corrupted and controlled and people just smile and acknowledge they know what i'm talking about then so all the while that i'm growing up i get holes i get wounds and i get rejections then what's worse is at night. I lie in bed and I relive the scene of the crime, relive the hurt, relive what what he said. I relive the memory where I was hurt. I relive it over and over and over until I'm just lying in bed convinced I'm faulty. I'm broken. I'll never be loved. I'll never be wanted. I'll never be admired. What am I going to do? And so my soul is living in pain and I'm Developing shameful ways of thinking and all my lust, pornography, and masturbation are growing out of a need to comfort all that pain. And so the healing comes in going out into the soul, memory by memory, one memory at a time, going out there uh, and, and confronting each of the memories where I was hurt and wounded or where I maybe hurt someone confronting the memory, standing in that memory with Christ and saying, Lord Jesus, what is unfinished business here? Who do I need to forgive? Do I need to forgive myself? What lie do I need to reject? What attitude do I need to renounce? What happened in this memory that cultivated the shame that led me to masturbation? And so day by day, I went in for a season of my life Every day I went in and asked God for a memory of what's out in my soul that's unfinished, that drives my need for comfort, that I have attached to masturbation. Where is it, God? And day by day, the Holy Spirit would bring up one memory. I'd enter into that memory with the Lord Jesus, and I would forgive people, forgive myself. I would renounce lies that I bought that day, renounce the attitudes I copped, and submit myself to the Holy Spirit for his renewing work, and even let the Holy Spirit speak a new truth to me to replace the lie. And day by day, for a short season of my life, I just went back through my history of shame, and God took me memory by memory into his healing presence, and I took out the sting of shame Mm -hmm. memory by memory.
0: Now, Carter, what is the significance and the role of, of grace in this whole process? Because I think, you know, as as you're saying all of these things, you know, going into memories, I can just imagine so many of our listeners going, wait a second, listen, I, I want to go forward. I don't want to go back. I don't want to look backwards. And, and and yet, obviously, all of our wounds, if you think about it logically, all of the wounds we carry are historical. You don't have future yeah. wounds. <laughs> You can only carry <laughs> historical wounds. Right. So then, I, how I will Im- have right? How important then is the grace of God in this process of transition from living out of a false identity to now actually living out of the identity that you have in your spirit, in your oneness with Christ?
1: Yes. Well, you bring up a good point, Jonathan, of an error we teach in the church. We we often want to run to that verse that says forgetting what lies behind i press on to the high calling well i would challenge the readers who want to press on and not look at behind go back to that passage first that's uh philippians 3 study that passage when paul says forgetting what lies behind well what's the what what was he talking about he was not talking about his holes his wounds his his rejection or his shame he actually was talking about all his fleshly accomplishments for god mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the things he used to do as a great uh, as a great teacher for god that's what he wants to leave behind he didn't talk about leaving behind your wounds so you have to go back and heal what is stubbornly torturing you and haunting you and keeping you attached to masturbation where you go for comfort. You have to go back and get comfort into those memories, the comfort of the Lord Jesus and the comfort of the God of all comfort, 2 Corinthians 1. We have a God of all comfort and we need to go back with him and meet him there. And And so
0: in that you know i think the the grace aspect is is i i can i can assure our listeners that there was never a time carter when you went back into those memories with the lord jesus and he wagged his finger at you he shamed you mm-hmm. more and right. he condemned you for that memory right? right so there was a grace so how does that grace okay. have the power to also break you through that shame identity into your true identity in christ
1: yes that's what i discovered jonathan in my journey in this whole journey i discovered that in the church we are preaching only half of grace we we got a wonderful half it's the greatest half. you can't get saved really until you know this half of grace, and that's the unmerited favor of God. And if anybody ever learns about grace, they learn that definition, that God grants us unmerited, unachieved favor, the blessing of being forgiven and getting to go to heaven when you die. But that's just half of grace. When you look at Titus two twelve, mm-hmm. Paul says that grace also trains us in saying no to our sin and saying yes to righteousness grace trains us to deny ungodliness and to live righteously and sensibly in the present age the word for training there is not a adult training word it's not a way of teaching adults like i like you and i do we do podcasts we get whiteboards we draw diagrams This word training in Titus 2.12 is the word for training children. Training of children. Grace will come into your life and start training you to deny the ungodliness. And I realized, I looked at that and thought, I must have no idea how grace trains us. Then a friend showed me Strong's Concordance. And in the back of Strong's, Dr. Strong defines grace this way. Grace is the divine influence upon your heart and its reflection in your life. Grace is an invisible, wonder-working power that moves upon your heart and transforms you and changes you So that it's reflected in your life. That's grace number two. And so grace came to me as I did my memory work, my work. I got up and went to counseling as well after I got busted. And I went to therapy in Arizona for three weeks straight, Monday through Friday for three weeks all day long. I flew home from Arizona and the next day I resigned from my church. And then within a month, I'd found a wonderful uh, sex addiction-trained Christian counselor here in the New Orleans area, and I went to see Ben for four and a half years. I did my work. I did my therapy. I did my processing. I did steps four, five, and six of the 12 steps. But, Jonathan, I also went out in the yard and pulled weeds. I went out and weeded in my yard and made my grass grow better. I stared at the wall. I stared at the ceilings. I took a walk with the dog. I opened my Bible and prayed. Sometimes I didn't feel like opening my Bible and praying. Sometimes I was angry. Sometimes I was mad. Sometimes I was despondent. But every day I presented myself to God. Every day I presented myself to God. And day by day, memory by memory, emotion by emotion, disposition by disposition, no matter where I was, God met me. And he changed me. Grace changed me.
0: And that's and that's what right. I think is so important about grace. I can't remember who the quote is attributed to, but uh, this idea of, you know, we need to tell ourselves the gospel every day, preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And that's really what I think grace reminds us of. Grace is this thing that reminds us of the unmerited favor of God, and also that through that unmerited favor, we have been given the resurrection power of Jesus. And so that's, and I kind of equate the reminder of that resurrection power with what you're calling grace too, you know, the idea that. There is yeah. there is an effect that grace has. It's not just a promise that grace makes. It's an effect. There is, yeah. when, when we know that our spirit has now been joined with the spirit of the living God, not the dead God, the living God, then we know yeah. that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, by his grace, now resides in our spirit. And that's when I think all of that training can really begin to happen because we realize, well, if if God can raise Jesus from the dead and that power is now within me, can can He heal me of my shame? Can He give me the courage to make amends with those I've wounded or even forgive those who've wounded me? I mean, all of that is not only possible; it's 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 you're it's it's probable. It can happen. It's like it can become yeah. a reality. And so I think that's yeah. just the so many times we have made grace this anemic idea. And it's like, no, no, grace yeah. is powerful. And, and that's the thing that I think people need to hear is if you are being overcome and succumbing to your shame, the shame that's in your soul, that shame identity You need to have this great hope infused into your life that in Jesus Christ and through him, you have the power that raised Jesus from the grave. Anything, everything is possible in terms of being able to have real transformation. And it comes through that vehicle of grace. And that's why the gospel is good news, because it's like, wow, it didn't, it wasn't, um, It wasn't dependent upon me. Hallelujah, right? (laughs) That it wasn't Mm -hmm. dependent on me having to figure it out. And you
1: know, know, Jonathan, in in the book of John, the gospel, John says, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth
0: Mm -hmm.
1: came through Jesus Christ and truth. And what I've discovered lately is that grace will work in me, but I've got to realize the truth. So... And that's Grace where, will,
0: and that's where the word of but, God comes in, right? Is we need to well, remember, before,
1: e- even along with the word of God, here's where I'm going. I need to be truthful about the fact that I'm a liar. I need to be truthful about the fact that I'm a deceiver. I need to be truthful about the fact that I really masturbate four times a week and not just once, mm-hmm. like I tell my friends. I need to be truthful about the fact that I am poor. I'm a poor communicator, I have poor uh, resolution skills, I have poor conflict skills, I'm a poor relator, I'm selfish, I'm narcissistic. That's the truth God wants me to also acknowledge, and then His grace will come and heal it. Mm-hmm. That's why we can't forget what lies behind. I've got to look at what lies behind and say, wow, I'm the biggest liar on my block. Mm -hmm. Lord, I'm deceiving, I'm lying, and I'm lying to my wife, and I'm lying to my children, and I'm being authentic, and I need to be truthful about that. That's the truth. You know, the truth will set you free. We all know that. Oh, yeah, the truth will set you free. Well, yes, especially the truth about yourself. You are a child of God, but in the flesh, you're a conniving, manipulating, controlling obsessive narcissistic little man and you better bring all that before God or you'll never get well. Mm -hmm. And it's that combination obvious
0: yeah, it's a combination of grace and truth that really heals us. And we see that in terms of the kinds of environments that are necessary in order for real healing to go on. Because if you have you have all truth with no grace, you have a rigid legalistic system. If you have all grace with no truth, you have this (laughs) permissive environment. And that's why we find the, the perfect fullness of both of those mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. Not grace or Jesus. truth. He was full of grace and truth. And so yes, Carter, I, I really appreciate your, your time and your insights. Why don't you share with our listeners where they can get a copy of your book that might help them continue to grow in these areas of identity and grace?
1: Yes. Well, thank you, Jonathan. My book is titled, God Knows Your Struggle, and he's got help, and it's an ebook, so it's at the Kindle store on Amazon. So you'll need to have a computer or an iPad that has a uh, the uh, Kindle app, so you can download it. And it's uh, you'll just find it there on the Kindle uh, page, the Kindle store at Amazon.com. I've got it on sale today for ninety-nine cents. Um, and uh, would love for people to find it you can also go to my blog carterfeatherston.com and the book is offered there as well and if you like some of these themes i think my themes are real complimentary to to yours jonathan but i talk about identity and grace a lot in my blog
0: yes thank you so much carter and uh listeners we'll have those uh links posted on our website as well and uh Uh, Listeners, we're glad that you've been with us, and we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.